0: Hey, welcome to episode 5 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Styles. Well, there have certainly been no signs of anything slowing down between last season and now, that's for sure. Not only are there still irrational beliefs continuing that certain players have to be mortgaged and so does the future for Pierre-Luc Dubois, but now there's weird obsessions as far as Jesse Pugliarvi that now needs to be a part of the organization. Not sure what he's proven in his career. It, it's just insane. There, there's no other words to describe it. Jesse Pugliarvi is basically a carbon copy of joel armia the obvious question is how many are happy with his contributions to the team as of late or is this an attempt at a really bad april fool's joke in august neither one of which will go over very well there's already a monumental task with suffocating contracts on the team that's handcuffing them or let's trade for some more bad contracts that seems like the answer yes let's do that pierre luc dubois again can be had for free in two years nobody has to mortgage the future for him and as for Jesse pulley I think he's got a lot to prove before the Canadians worry about adding him to the roster and I'm not sure what the attraction is so many people see there is it because he's six foot four two hundred pounds was drafted as a skilled right winger that's great the description's nice where's the proof on the ice that's what hasn't been in his game yet there has been nothing done on the ice I know people were saying, oh, you know, suddenly players with a new place to play or, you know, suddenly players that have a new environment can just turn it around and suddenly they are just mind blowing. That is really not something that the Canadians need to take a chance on. There's players like Kirby Doc. I would much rather have those as internal projects than people like Jesse Pugliarvi. That could just be the definition of insanity right there. Moving on from the irrational acquisition of Jesse Poliarvi there's also now people believe that the Canadians have a really weak defense. Now that Jeff Petrie's been traded, that's a head scratcher as well. This is a player nobody liked last year. Nobody had anything good to say about him. Nobody liked his game. He wasn't a team player, especially if you go back to that particular game in Columbus. He didn't come to anybody's aid, just let people run over his goaltender. What happened between now and then? Did somebody, like, get a big payoff? Did somebody, like, make good personal friends with him? It's like, oh, I can't insult my friend. He didn't have a season that anybody was really impressed about. And I wish him absolutely nothing but the best. Man had a lot of personal issues to deal with, such as his family being separated from. His family, nor he, were really that happy with all of the ridiculous, almost kind of communist type behavior that a variety of governments have imposed with covid-19 it's like it's given them an excuse for to be able to do things like that to people in general so you can see how he could miss his family absolutely that's a very valid reason but maybe just If you want to consider the games played under Martin St. Louis, the tale of two seasons, okay, he definitely was a different player under Martin St. Louis than he was under Dominic Ducharme, but I think that's safe to say that everybody was a different player under Martin St. Louis than they were under Dominic Ducharme, because Dominic Ducharme just implemented a style that didn't match the talent or the skill set or the type of players that were on the team, implemented a style that nobody liked had lost the locker room, clearly. that There's no surprise there. I mean, if people go, oh, no, 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 he didn't lose the locker room. He had lost the locker room. I mean, it was a lifeless team that just didn't care. Forget about the basic things, looking out of sync, no chemistry or things like that. That team just looked lost, period. So although Jeff Gordon made the statement of, oh, we think Dominic Ducharme is going to finish the season, you couldn't. I mean, the good news is I don't think they could have finished any worse, but at least there was an opportunity by bringing in new people because people want to sit there and go, well, Jeff Gordon wasn't faithful to Dominic Ducharme. He didn't let him last until the end of the year. Well, at that point, there was enough left in the season. Make the change and at least get some development out of it. At least see what you got in the pipelines, what you got in the system, what's coming up. Maybe you gain some additional draft information because now you see what you have. Maybe it gives you a clearer picture of what you need to address at the draft, which is an upcoming episode in itself. We will get into now people are critiquing players that haven't even played in the NHL yet. Their draft picks that they have gotten in Montreal, should they have taken this person or that person? There's just a lot of armchair quarterback going on, which in itself is in the mission of one has no talent. I mean, anybody can look at the already written history and go, oh, well, we should have done this. I mean, what, what we did made no sense. Yeah, of course, the history's already happened. Everything's played out. So you can see a very clear picture, which you're not going to see when you're drafting an 18-year-old player. So unless somebody out there's got a crystal ball, that's just stupidity at its finest right there. I mean that's insane to sit there and question people two or three years down the road when you can sit there and in 2022 review the 2019 or 2020 NHL draft and see if all these teams had a clue and all these general managers were really smart, they would have drafted this person. Yeah, you got three years of track record now to look at. You didn't even on some of them have three years of junior at 17 or 18 euros to look at. So how smart does somebody want to claim to be? Are you kidding me? Really? The only word there is wow you got to be nuts to make that statement so now back to jeff petrie now the canadians apparently have a gaping hole on the right side of the defense and the weird part about that is that's also paired with you cannot have two, three, or more young defensemen. Why? If these kids come in and play better in the exhibition season or the rookie tournament, then the people already there, why can't you start them? If they're ready and they're NHL caliber, why would you send them back down to the AHL? Just to play kind of that cautious parental type thing. That I just don't understand. If a player's ready put them in uniform, put them in the lineup and let them play and give them real minutes people sit there with this parental attitude of well you know we can let them play but we better not let them play more than six to eight minutes and we need to bring them along slowly again back to an earlier episode that we talked about you know what makes and accelerates the careers of great players or players that have a lot of talent and a lot of skill they're given the opportunity to succeed they're paired with the right players they're paired with the right defensive partner the right offensive line mates they're given real ice time less let's see what they have and if you're really into it they're put in all game situations defensively offensively when the game's on the line when it's a blowout when one goal decides it all you see what you have let's really give kids an opportunity one of the worst things that really is annoying that people say will sit there and go oh we should give them a chance and then they don't they kind of baby step them along now, for the betterment of the player, if they need to come in slowly, if they need more time in the AHL, absolutely do that. Let's not rush people and ruin careers. Let's not get people injured. But if they're ready and they're better than what you have, they're not starting. Because why? That That's like a million dollar question out there. That just makes no sense at all. So on the defense. If Justin Baran, if Caden Gooley, if Arbor Akjai, if Logan Mylou, if Jordan Harris, whoever it is, Corey Shermanman, if it's somebody they haven't acquired yet, play him. If it's Mike Matheson. Montreal's got plenty of bodies, both defensively and offensively. Now, the one area that they might not have somebody ready to step in could be goaltending. Let's talk about a couple of trades because apparently that's the other issue. People are now talking about Kirby Doc, Oh my god, he's still unsigned. Have the Canadians not learned their lesson from Jesperi, Cock, and Yemi? Really? That's where we're gonna go. How about the Canadians are judiciously or methodically putting their puzzle together. They have a plan and they know what they're doing. Call me weird. I'm going to err on that side. Maybe that's just naivety on my part. But for all the people that want to open up contract space, here's a couple contract spaces that will actually open up and are legitimate possibilities. What if you were to send Joel Armia, to the Vancouver Canucks for goaltending prospect Michael DiPietro. He's more ready than anybody else in Montreal that's not on the NHL roster. He's more ready than Caden Primo is at the moment. He had greater opportunity to play at a variety of different levels. He can't get a shot in Vancouver because they have depth at the position, which Montreal clearly does not right now. Not only Montreal doesn't have depth at the moment, however, Montreal also has a lot of health concerns. Not only with number 31, but also with Jake Allen. So both Carey Price and Jake allen are a question both of them are great team guys not going to criticize either one of them but let's be really honest nobody knows what's going to turn out or how it's going to turn out with Carey price until that uniform goes on and he's in a live real-time game okay as for jake allen he got hurt last year jake allen had a fair amount of injury time so he is yes he's a great backup goaltender perfect set or match with Carey price But what's his reliability? And not to mention the fact, another great contract that Montreal can move towards the trade deadline this year, which we'll get in more in the next episode. But that's another person that can be traded and is a really good chip that Montreal will have in their hands, along with Jonathan Duran, with Mike Hoffman, Joel Armia, if he's still around, Paul Byron. They have a lot of people whose contracts are in the last year. So they got five or six guys. They could be the team that everybody's calling at the trade deadline and say, hey, what what would it take to get? Name one of those players, okay? So there's a lot of cap space flexibility coming. There's a lot of contracts that are going to end. Again, we'll get more into that in future episodes. The scary part, though, that I will talk about for a moment right now is all the people that are already planning, apparently, on how the Canadians should spend that coming cap space. That makes no sense at all. I've already heard a couple of people talk about how the Canadians can be real players in next year's free agency. For what? I mean, seriously, let's look at what the Canadians have prospect-wise and talent-wise coming. It is a trainful, or a truckload if you prefer, of talent coming. Is it unproven? Sure. But why would I pay excessive amounts of money to bring somebody here who kind of might make a difference or kind of might be a filler player how about i give the opportunity to a younger player how about i see what they have and they may turn out to and there's at least a 50 50 chance that they will better than what i'm trying to acquire not to mention the fact when you're talking about the free agency period you're talking about hefty contracts is there short-term memory loss here Doesn't everybody remember all the contracts you can't wait for either to end or you're dying for Montreal management to get rid of? That makes no sense at all to acquire those kind of players. Not to mention the fact next year, if anybody thinks next season, the Canadians are going to be Stanley cup contenders or viable champions, You are one optimistic soul. I mean, I'm optimistic, but I'm not that optimistic. I mean, you are truly an optimist at that point. Could it happen? Yes. Would love to see it happen. It's been way too long since that 25th Stanley Cup has been claimed and residing in Montreal. That said, the chances of that happening, you really have a better chance of some kind of unexpected windfall financially coming your way. I mean, just literally out of the dark, like you find out somehow you're a long distance relative of some very wealthy individual. It's just not in the cards. It really, I mean, it could happen. There's always a possibility, but the likelihood is so minimal. And, And therein seems to lie a discussion. People say, oh, see, that's why we need to have, or we need to attract all those high price free agents. No, you don't. Just about every roster spot with the talent coming is spoken for. Montreal will have no problems putting together both a very young and talented roster. You don't need to acquire anything else from anywhere or anything around or from any team in the league. That's not what Montreal needs. This is a different build process. This process is gonna be totally different than previous processes are. Montreal can do this 100% internally because there's also been those people that have talked about, oh, well, this is gonna be a a repeat of what the Rangers did when they hired uh, Jeff Gordon. He brought in the high profile players that he did and it turned the Rangers around really quickly. All right, well, the Rangers made the conference finals last year. Good, Stanley Cup's better. When's that going to happen? And the, and the fact of the matter is nobody knows, if it will. So yeah, they brought in some high-priced players, but again, you're talking a cap-era time frame. I would rather save my cap space, not only for Nick Suzuki, whose eight-year contract kicks in next year, but for Cole Caulfield and everybody else that's going to follow. You're going to need every dime of that. Players like Sean Farrell are going to be phenomenal players for the Montreal Canadiens. You also have Joshua Roy, you also have Xavier Simon, you also have a lot of wingers coming, you have all the defensive prospects that I already talked about, and I think there's a couple, and I truly believe this, I think there's a couple Diamond in the Rough goaltender prospects, such as Jacob Dobb and and Frederick DeChow, I think have an opportunity to surprise the heck out of a lot of people. Just keep in mind, there was a goaltender from the New York Rangers, Henrik Lundquist, who was a seventh-round pick. And both Dobbs and DeChow are fifth-round picks. So for anybody who goes, ah, late-round pick, what are they going to become? I'm thinking Henrik did okay in New York. I don't think anybody would sit there and go, ah, oh, Henrik was a waste. He was a no-go. I think Henrik Lundquist is one of the best goaltenders in recent NHL history. I don't think it's even close. Lundquist was an exceptional goaltender not only was a money goaltender but was from a reliability standpoint when it mattered or you needed something from him to spark the team he made that save I'm not saying these guys are going to be Henrik Lundquist but I'm saying there is the potential there to have that kind of diamond in the rough just like Detroit is notorious with late round picks like Henrik Zetterberg amongst others who weren't first round picks, who were a seventh round pick like Lundqvist, they turned out okay. You've got Hall of Fame players there. So for everybody that says late round picks, that's why I'm a big proponent. When you make a trade, at least get a late round pick. You have no idea what's going to still be there in that round. You have no idea what gem you might find. And Montreal's done okay with seventh round picks. Caden Primo is a seventh round pick. Jake Evans is a seventh round pick. Mike Ribeiro, I can't quite remember. Either he was a fifth or a seventh round pick. That's pretty good. I mean for 7th round picks, those are some premium players that you're picking up. And while we're jumping around on topics, let's jump on this one. What's with the questioning of the Montreal coaching staff? What's with that? Everybody wanted to question Martin Saint-Louis hiring last year. It's off the board, it's out of the box, it makes no sense. He hasn't been an NHL coach. He hasn't been an AHL coach. Now the same dribble is coming out about Stefan Robidas. I, I don't get it. I, I, I'm i missing something here, okay? I, I am really missing something here because as it turned out, of course, joke was on everybody else. Martin St. Louis is a very effective coach, has new ways. As a matter of fact, not only new ways, doesn't play systems, plays concepts. And that doesn't sound like a big deal between a lot of people or a big deal between conversations with people, except a concept is more of an individual for the player. A system is, well, you know, we got a lot of uh, offensive players. We're going to play a defensive style. And here's something that people know to be true. Here's a little delve back into the history of the Montreal Canadiens. How many people saw how happy Guy Lafleur was when Jacques Lemaire was head coach? Now, both players being talked about here are absolutely phenomenal Hall of Fame, unquestionable players. Guy Lafleur wasn't real happy with that defensive style, so he retired and then came back and played elsewhere because that style didn't fit him, and he knew it. And that same scenario happened under Elaine Vigneault, Michel Therrien, let's keep going to Dominic Ducharme. And then suddenly last year, we have the tale of two seasons, Dominic Ducharme the first half of the year, Martin St. Louis the second half of the year, roughly. And everybody saw the difference. So it's the coach's job to react to the player's abilities and to recognize what fits their skill set the best to put not only the players, but the team in the best position of winning and winning consistently and maximizing the value of its players and performances. So this whole concept of, well, well, you know, Canadians now, Canadians have absolutely little, if no experience on the bench. Okay. That's a bad thing. Is, is that a bad thing because the status quo or the same old, same old thing has worked so well in the past? Yes, there is nothing like hiring retread coaches because the first time Michel Therrien was in Montreal, the first time Elaine Vigneault was in Montreal, the first time Claude Julien was in Montreal did so well versus the second time. Oh no, wait a minute. It was kind of like a complete repeat of history, like the movie Groundhog's Day. Because that's what you had. And everybody's sitting there going, well, you know, we're going to question Martin St. Louis and we just don't understand what they're doing. I got an idea. How about you let them do their job? There's a concept. How about you let them do their job and you see how effective they are or you watch players individually and as lines and as a team blossom under Martin St. Louis and Stefan Robidas and go, holy cow, I guess I looked at that wrong to begin with because continuing the same old thing, it's kind of like that saying, you have a headache from hitting your head repeatedly on something really hard but yet you don't want the headache. So in order to do that, you just keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That makes no sense at all. And to close out this episode, what's with the dark and death-like perspective regarding Luke Tuck, Lane Hudson, and Blake Biondi? Oh my God, they they got cut from their uh, country's roster. Okay, they're college kids. I mean, seriously, is being cut from their team country's roster, in this case, the United States, is that career ending or something? How about spin that around and go, hey, well, maybe that gives them a little bit more motivation to sit there and go, yeah, you cut me, huh? Okay, you're going to see how well I play and you're going to wish you had me on this team. That could also play out that way as well. But apparently, there's this belief, now that they've been cut, well, you know, this was the season they were going to make it. If they don't make it this year, I mean, I don't even know why they're going to bother trying to bring them along for prospects. How insane is that? how about the Canadians have finally come full circle as an organization with all the new management and from ownership on down, now understand not only is it important to draft the best player available, the best talent, irregardless of whether it's a position of need or not, you take the best talent. And here's the real key, you develop those players along the way there's a new concept and Montreal management now seems to have a really really clear focus of that so how about people take a breather for a second and say you know they're playing in college especially in the case of Lane Hudson is just starting college this is Luke Tuck's Last year at Boston College, and I believe this is Blake Biondi's third year, it'll be at the University of Minnesota. It might be his fourth year. And how about we allow them to grow with the development? How about we allow them to actually grow their game? And into their abilities before judging them anointing them sentencing them to total failure how about that there's a concept that that might be just a little bit more successful and not to mention a little bit more rational than some of the behaviors or some of the comments being made of Well, that's it they're done they're never going to amount to anything don't even need to see them in a training camp they're just gonna be horrendous and you're like wow there's a nice perspective there's a A really nice way to just automatically determine someone's future without having any actual film on them. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed the Hockey Free For All Episode 5 podcast, and we will return soon with the Prospect Edition. We're going to kind of turn the page on this wild and unpredictable summer, kind of some of the issues that have been beaten to death and things like that. We're going to flip that page and now talk about what's likely to be seen at training camp and all the great talent that the Canadians have now. Until Episode 6, this is your host Stephen Styles. Have a fantastic week.